is for my dreamers, doers, and audacious entrepreneurs. For those who want to wake up every day and be in love with the career you've created for yourself. This is for you. This is for us. This is the Forever Fun Employee Podcast with me, Jana Hall. Hello, Fun Employed friends. This is Jana Hall, and you are listening to the first ever episode of the Forever Fun Employed podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am your host, Jana Hall, and I am so excited to launch this with you all. Thank you so much for listening, for coming along this journey with me, Um, both this Fun Employed journey and the Forever Fun Employed podcast journey. This is something that I've really wanted to do for a while, and I finally decided to take the leap and make it happen. Um, A little scary, I'm not going to lie, a little nervous, but sitting here and just decided, let's just do it. Let's just get started. It's a long time coming, and what better way to close out the decade than with this podcast. So I am here sitting on the big comfy couch where I will probably be recording a lot of these podcasts because I love my big comfy couch. And um, we're just gonna, we're gonna chop it up. There's so much to talk about when it comes to this fun employed life. There's so many things that kind of come up in conversation with people, whether it's, you know, fellow entrepreneurs or, you know, mentors or, you know, just colleagues, just friends. There's so many things when it comes to your life and your career and really feeling like you're living out um, your passion, living out your purpose. Uh, There's so many things that come up and I just feel like, you know, this is the place where we're going to unpack it all. Um, the ups, the downs, the the uncertainty, all of it. We are going to talk about it here. Um, and so, like I said, I am your host, Jana Hall. I'm super excited uh, to be starting this thing off with you all. And for those who don't know me, I just want to give a little introduction into my fun employed journey. A lot of people, you know, do know kind of how I got started. The short story is uh, quit my job, moved home from New York City, decided to um, kind of give entrepreneurship a try. It's something I've always wanted to do. And so three, almost four years later, here I am. Um, That's the short story. (laughs) The long version is so much longer. Um, but that's why we're here and we can talk as long as we need to. And, uh, yeah, we're going to get this thing going. So (sighs) fun employed being fun employed. Okay. So where do I start? I guess we'll start. Um, I'll take it back to, to college. So I went to the James Madison university, the great James Madison university, go Dukes. Um, so I went to JMU and I really, did not know what I wanted to do for my career. I had no idea uh, what I wanted to be. I knew that I kind of wanted to, you know, be in business. That business was the default major, right? It's like you go to school, you major in business, you can have any career you wanted. Um, But that's not the experience that I had. I took business classes and I did not realize that in order to be a business major, you had to take a lot of math classes. And I am a writer. I can write all day, every day. Do not ask me 
to do math. And so after failing math classes, getting a tutor, I realized, okay, if this is what it's going to take for me to get this business degree, then this is not for me. And so I pivoted a few times. I changed my major a few times. But after four major changes, I finally decided maybe English is for me. I've always been a writer ever since I was in elementary school, I was entering into writing competitions. I knew that that was what I wanted to do, and it was a perfect fit for me. Um, and so I went to my advisor's office right before my senior year, and I said, I want to change my major yet again to English. And she was like, are you sure? You're literally about to graduate. And I was like, I don't feel fulfilled in anything that I'm doing. Um, I... I'm going to make the change. I'm going to, I'm going to pivot. If I have to take a victory lap and stay a little longer, so be it. And so I made the change. And I think that was really the first instance of me really being audacious. Um, and that is something you will hear me say a lot during this podcast. I am an audacious entrepreneur. I, um, I believe that I can create the life that I want for myself. And so Um, I decided to take the leap and that meant starting senior year with a new major English with the concentration in creative writing and print journalism, creative writing. I love, but print journalism was a struggle for me because it really required me to push myself out of my comfort zone to start interviewing people and to start doing some journalistic pieces, which I had never really had experience doing before, especially, um, for a lot of the general classes you have to take and the papers you write, it's not really kind of journalism focused. So it was really a a challenge for me. And I think that was the first time that I really got to, um, get comfortable with talking to people, talking to professors and, you know, my superiors going to the local schools and doing interviews. Um, so it really pushed me out of my comfort zone. Um, and like I said, it really challenged me to be um, kind of really imaginative. And so I'm forever grateful for uh, the last minute change that I made. But the biggest thing I think that kind of um, changed the trajectory of my life was um, I took a food writing class. Go figure. I love to eat. So I took this food writing class and my professor, shout out to Erica Bleeg, who's now Erica Cavanaugh, she really pushed me to think differently about one food. Um, she pushed me to, to think differently about my abilities as a writer, um, think differently about how we collaborate as writers and how we can feed off each other's energy. Um her class was really transformational for me as a person, but also for my career. Um, so one day she and I were just talking, I think maybe before or after class, and she was like, so what do you want to do? I mean, you're an incredible writer. Um, you know, we had this really awkward um, thing where we had to uh, exchange papers and critique each other's papers. And a few people had said that my one of the papers that I had written was one of the best pieces they'd ever read um in college and I was like wow that was a a great a really uh a really nice thing to say especially for someone who had just changed her major and so she was like so what do you want to do I think you have a a really bright future in writing do you want to be an English uh, English teacher um because I know that she you know that's what a lot of people do when they major in English they go on to be teachers and so she was like do you want to be an English teacher and I said no I want to write for a magazine 
this journalistic, you know, this print journalism concentration has really pushed me to want to write for a magazine. And she was like, okay, you want to write for a magazine? You need to go to New York. Point blank, that's where you need to be. That's where all the magazines are. That's where your career will get started. You got to go to New York. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to New York. And I had no idea that it was not easy to get a job at a magazine in New York City. No one told me exactly how hard it would be. And uh, needless to say, I did not get the job in New York City, but in my efforts to land an internship uh, at any magazine, at Hearst Magazines, Condé Nast, um, I legit created um, a portfolio of my best work, updated my resume, created this big thing, drove to New York. I left JMU at like six in the morning, drove to New York for one of my interviews, changed in a McDonald's bathroom and interviewed, um, at, I think it, I don't even Stylecaster. I don't even, it wasn't even one of the major ones. I think it was an online publication, but I was determined to get the interview or to get the, uh, the internship. Oh, I think about how foolish I was and how green I was, um, but I was so, so, so determined. Um, I left New York maybe an hour after my interview, said hi to my family, and then drove back to JMU because I had a 10-page paper due the next day. And because I am the ultimate procrastinator, I had not started it yet. Um, and so I think I work best under pressure, so pulled an all-nighter, got it done, um, but that was really the first time that I saw myself really go after something that I really wanted so badly. Um, and just to see the depth of like, you know, going to New York in the middle of the week from JMU in the cold, like it was, I was doing everything that I needed to do to make this happen because it was my dream. And so again, like I said, being, being audacious, that was, that was me and that these were the beginning stages of me becoming who I am today. Um, and so I didn't get the internship, unfortunately, but not surprisingly, because it's terribly hard to get a job in the industry in New York. But the energy of the city really fueled me. And I told her that I didn't get it, but I was still interested in moving. And um, I knew it was just something I had to make happen. Um, so we kind of lined up different careers. I maybe put out, I want to say I applied to like 40 to 50 different jobs in New York City. Um, <laughs> didn't get a single one. Go figure. Um, but I graduated in December, and January 15th, 2011, I moved to New York City. Didn't have a job, just had an internship lined up as a um, personal assistant to a celebrity stylist, and um, did a lot of, um, for lack of a better word, bitch work. For this person, as in this personal assistant role, I realized that was not something that I was cut out for. Um, but it was also um, all of these things were character builders for me. All the experiences I had, character builders. Um, and so, fast forward a little bit um, through meeting people, through dinner parties, meeting people, you know, just trying to put myself out there. I. Um, Ended up reconnecting with a friend, someone that I had met maybe a year prior, 
um, who worked at a digital marketing agency. Shout out to Jasmine McKeever. Um, she told me that they had a position open and I was like, oh, I don't have any digital marketing experience, but I'm a writer. I'm an editor uh, at the time to kind of supplement the lack of income that I was, I had coming in. Um, my friend and I shout out to Darnell, Dar- Darnell Lamont Walker. Uh, he and I started a publishing kind of company where he was the publisher. I was the editor. And so I edited books and that was how I made my money when I was living in New York. And, um, you know, I told her, I was like, I don't have any digital marketing experience, but I'm an editor. And if you all aren't really writers, then things have to be edited. They, you know, what, whatever you're putting out the agency, press releases, articles, social media posts, I can be the editor. So just ask the boss if there's any chance that I can get a job um, and let me know. And sure enough, she came back and she said, he bought it. He's down. So I interviewed, got the job. Um, and so I spent the next almost year working at Bombs Are Paying Agency, managing or editing things for um, European Wax Center and Massage Envy. Back when they were super, super young, just starting out, the what they are today is like light years away from where they were. But that's where, you know, that's where I was working. And it was really cool because what I love about small agencies or boutique agencies is that you can really have, um, it's kind of all hands on deck. No one has a job, you know, people have specific job titles, but they're, you know, because it's small, it's like, we need everyone to be flexible and open to do anything that needs to get done. And so as the agency was growing its client base and had, you know, over a hundred European wax center and massage envy locations, I could see a need for me to take on a client. And, you know, after editing, um, you know, enough press releases and articles, I was like, I can do this. I, I was a print journalism major. I can do this. And so I asked the, the boss, I said, hey, is there any opportunity for me to take on a client? Just a couple, just to see if I would like it. And I did. Um, he let me, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> and so I was able to manage a few accounts, you know, do press releases and articles, things like that. And... Um, it worked out pretty pretty well. The place was probably the most unorthodox place I've ever worked in my life. Really casual. Lots of tequila in the workplace. Lots of uh, <laughs> lots of drinking. Lots of just a lot of things that probably should not have happened. There was no HR department, so I'm pretty sure there were a lot of things that should not have happened. But it was like it was probably one of the best experiences, work experiences that I've ever had because I was able to connect with a lot of young 20-somethings just trying to figure out life and who we were. And we had a boss who was super flexible, didn't really care about what we did, um, and paid extremely, extremely well. Um, still one of, still my highest paying job to date. Um, and yeah, so I worked there for almost a year and then I got laid off. The company expanded to Miami, um, and we're taking on new client set. And I think that, you know, the direction that they were going and what my skill set was or my expertise, they had a need to kind of downsize, shift roles. And so that meant that because I technically had a role as an editor, that my position was one of the first to go. And so I got laid off and 
you know, I wasn't even really devastated. I was sad um, because that was the first time I'd ever been fired. And I'm in New York City and I don't know what's happening with my life. And, you know, I just felt like I felt like a failure. Um, but you know, it didn't really get me down that much. Surprisingly, I knew that I was going to land on my feet. I just didn't know how, but I knew that everything was going to work out. I always, I'm a firm believer in all things work together for good. Um, I'm a firm believer in, um, this idea that, you know, no matter what happens in life, it all, it's all a part of the larger story. And so I just looked at it as a stepping stone to get me to where I'm supposed to be. And where I was supposed to be apparently was not bombs or paying agency. And so as, as, as embarrassed as I was to get fired, as emotional as I was, um, I knew that this was all part of a larger plan. And so what followed was a year of me really kind of dipping my toe in this freedom and flexibility that entrepreneurship brought um, or, or, or brings, continues to bring. Um, I really kind of, you know, I, I worked with Darnell. I was like, let's edit as many books as we can. Let's get as many books out as we can. Um, and so we, I took on a lot of projects editing things. Um, I asked uh, my mom who had a doctor's office uh, I asked her if she would allow me to be her director of social media because I had gotten my you know foot wet in um, in this whole social media management space of you know creating content running a blog things like that I asked her if she would allow me to do it um, and she was paying me 500 a month to manage her social media and between that and um, editing books and, you know, doing a few projects here, here and there on the side, some editing projects, uh, thankfully living with my aunt. So my expenses were really low. Um, I was able to make it and I was able to last an entire year in New York, um, doing this, uh, and, you know, not saving any money, but at least I was able to experience the city, um, you know, go out with friends. You know, we were still, we were all pretty young in our career. So it's not like we were, you know, going out, being crazy, spending lots of money, but it was a great way for me to get to know the city in a way that, um, you know, allowed me to see different parts of the city, different times, you know, working at coffee shops and working in the parks and things like that. And so that's when I really got the first taste of freedom of entrepreneurship. Um, and that lasted up until, January of 2013 or December 2012, um, I decided, you know, I was, I had now at this point, I had a year of being a social media director, a position that I created for myself, but they didn't have to know that. Uh, I was, I had a year of being a social media director, um, under my belt. I had a year or over a year of being an editor under my belt. And I decided to go out for a full-time position and see what could happen. Um, and so I, I got on Craigslist. I interviewed at all types of places. Um, and I ended up interviewing at a temp agency and the agency, um, wouldn't tell me where the job was, but, um, they kind of told me the nature of the work and, Eventually, after a couple of rounds of interviews, um, I realized that I'd be interviewing at Girl Scouts of the USA, the headquarters. And I was like, holy crap, I would have never thought that this is where this temp agency was leaving me or, or, or uh, leading me. And so I interview at Girl Scouts, 
get the job. They love me. And my first day, which was January 7th, 2013, I started at Girl Scouts. And I was super excited. I loved my boss. I loved the atmosphere. I loved the mission of the work. And (laughs) as soon as I get there and go to my first meeting of the day, it's with the current social media manager who I'm working under. Um, And she tells me that it's her last day. It's her. She tells me that she put in her two weeks. And I'm like, you are kidding me. You are the one person that I am leaning on and depending on for this career to work. And you're putting in your two weeks. What am I supposed to do? Um, and so she tells me she got a new job. She's putting in her two weeks, but she was going to dedicate the next two weeks to doing a brain dump and equipping me with everything that I need to know about social media, about Girl Scouts, about the workplace culture, literally everything. Um, and I was terrified. I was, you know, I pulled my boss aside and I said, hey, so I hear she's leaving. What am I supposed to do? And she says, do the job. Lean into it. You are 24 years old. And when she leaves, you will be the head of social media for one of the largest nonprofits in the world. This is not a time for you to be afraid. This is a time for you to freaking kill it. Don't be afraid. You are going to do well. Think about what this means for you. Think about what this means for your career. Think about what this means in the grand scheme of things. Like we are an organization for girls, an organization that empowers girls to do incredible things. And you have the opportunity to be 24 years old and leading social media for one of the largest nonprofits in the world. Like that doesn't happen often. So you do it. And so I did it. And um, I decided that I was going to use this time to learn everything I could about everything there was to know about social media, about workplace culture, about sitting in meetings and talking to my superiors. I wanted to learn everything that there was to learn um, so that I could I could really um, could really grow up faster than I had anticipated. I, I was ready to kind of stand in someone's shadow, but this was an opportunity for me to really kind of have a voice and be a voice and be a presence in this workplace where I was frankly one of the youngest in the entire organization working there. Um, and so that came with a lot of insecurities for me. Um, I was young. I was black. I had natural hair, which I had just gone natural, so I wasn't fully confident in my natural curls. Um, And I had a vibrant style. I loved wearing bright clothes. um, And so I felt like I needed to begin to mute myself. If I wore my hair curly that if I wore my hair curly that day, I would wear an outfit that was a little more muted. If I wore bright clothes or wore something with a bright, vibrant print. I made sure my hair was slicked back or that I had like a a cute, defined wash and go. I always played this whole role of don't want to be too much too soon for for too many people. When in reality, it was just me walking in the fullness of who I am and owning all that I brought to this role. Um, You know, why wouldn't someone who's 23? 
four years old, why wouldn't someone who's 24 and in New York City be fun and vibrant? It makes sense. Um, why wouldn't I wear my hair in its natural state the way that the way that my colleagues were wearing their hair in their natural state? Um, I just found I found myself really kind of struggling with who I am and how I want to show up into the world um, and into this role. And so that was a really big challenge for me. Um, but over time, I began to get more confident and began to really to really just say, just forget it. I'm going to let myself really just be who I'm, who I'm supposed to be and let people see me for who I am and how I am and be my vibrant, you know, bright self, joyful, cheerful self. Um, and the connections that I make and the places that this takes me is it's all going to be intentional. It's all going to be exactly how it's supposed to be. Um, so ended up working in the, in that role, ended up bringing in, my good, my now amazing friend, Melissa, who I had then only known on Twitter. Uh, she and I had, I was, I had been blogging. I was blogging my first 365 days in New York and Melissa, she and I connected through her friend Trell on Twitter. And so we just, um, began following each other, keeping up with each other's blogs. And so I saw her tweet one day that she needed a job. She wanted to move to New York, but she needed a job. And I told her that I had a position at my company I was working at and um, we were hiring. And if she wanted the position, I could put in a good word if she sent me her resume. And sure enough, long story short, she got the job and we became inseparable. We became BFFs. We worked together every day. We kind of kept each other afloat. Initially, we lied and said that we were friends from back in the day just so she could get the job because I didn't want anyone else who applied to get it. Um, And so we had to kind of do a crash course on who each other were and like, where'd you go to school and what do you like to do and all these fun things. But um, they eventually they bought that, you know, she and I were friends. And so they were like, oh, you can vouch for her. So we'll go ahead and let her start. So she and I became really close and we began talking about our dreams and our goals. And she really pushed me to be a better me. She pushed me and still pushes me to have a voice and to use my voice and to um, be assertive and really just be decisive. And um, and so she and I got really close. We had a lot of a lot of transitions happening in that in that position as a social media managers. We ended up getting a new boss. That was a really rough transition for us. Um, we had a lot of differences. We butted heads a lot. Um, and, you know, we kind of got each other through. But she and I both decided that no matter what we felt about, you know, the organization changing, that we were going to um, stay true to who we were and do our best work. We, you know, brought ideas to the table. We, you know, we made sure that we remained fun and innovative and you know just kept the essence of what this organization was and who we are Uh, we wanted to make sure we brought that to the table at all times and so we were able to you know secure partnerships and work on you know a social media partnerships with organizations like um or with companies like nickelodeon dell at&t toyota um google's made with code uh, I mean, so many incredible, you know, we worked on that, the incredible um, Bam Bossy campaign that had Beyonce featured in it. I'm not bossy, I'm the boss. 
so we worked on all of those campaigns, these national things that, you know, were just once in a lifetime opportunities. We spearheaded those things. We created the social media toolkits, created the strategies, created, you know, graphic design ideas. We did so many incredible things, um, in this position. And we decided that we were going to really map out our own destiny. And no matter what obstacles we faced with the colleagues that we worked with or, you know, politics and workplace culture issues, we decided that we were going to use this as the best stepping stone as possible. Like nothing was going to stand in our way of making sure that when we left this place, our resume was on point. And it was, it was. Um, and so I'm forever grateful for that relationship. I'm forever grateful for the opportunities I had at Girl Scouts. Um, but ultimately, you know, she and I decided that um, we weren't being valued enough and it was time to to move on. You know, we had fought for raises. Um, we had, you know, proven our work time and time again. And um, we were just we were just stuck in our position and we were grossly underpaid, which is a nonprofit. So you can kind of, you know, that a lower salary is something to be expected at nonprofits. But what we have been paid and the amount of time we stayed there and the things that we had accomplished since first starting out there in 2013, I think it was, you know, we both knew that we deserved more. And, you know, now thinking about pay equity and thinking about, you know, the fact that, you know, women make less than men, but then you talk about women of color. You know, we were two young women of color at this organization making pennies in comparison to what, you know, the value we brought to the organization. And so there was one day that I had told Melissa, I said, so I've been thinking and I, I brought it up at, we had our weekly girls night. So there was a time when my roommate, Michelle, shout out Michelle, Michelle had gotten a job working for Essence, working on Essence Festival. And so she was never around. So I was getting depressed because I'm like, I hate this city. There's nothing to do here. I'm so lonely. Um, and so Melissa enacted weekly girls nights to pull me out of my funk. Um, and so I forever love her for that. But there was one day that I was like, <sighs> Melissa, I have to tell you something. I think I'm going to leave New York. And she was like, girl, me too. I didn't want to say anything. I was so afraid to tell you. And I'm like, shut up. And so I didn't know what it would look like. I didn't know where I was going. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But I now felt good that not only did Melissa know, but we were on the same page. And this was my girl. She's my ride or die. She's the person who helped me jumpstart my career um, and really kind of take things to the next level and so to have her kind of on the same page with me felt great I felt like you know we both started around the same time and now we're gonna you know kind of think about our exit at the same time it was great um and so I think the the I guess the straw that broke the camel's back I was already ready to leave and I was thinking about my exit um, but I had, once again, we had campaigned for more money. We'd asked for more. Uh, we said that there was no money in the budget. Um, and we 
created these long proposals with everything that we've done and what we've asked for, and we just saw them sit on our team lead's desk for weeks untouched. So we knew that there was just no open, there was no conversation. There was no, there was no like value there. We were not going to get a raise. And so now it was like, okay, we've tried everything and, you know, at least more money could have kept us there, but you know, that's not an option anymore because we don't have it in the budget. And so I was talking to one of my colleagues there and I said, you know, I just really want to get a raise, um, but I just hate that we don't have it in the budget. And they said, what do you mean? We have plenty of money in the budget for raises. I said, well, the team lead said we didn't. She'd been telling us for weeks that, you know, we couldn't have the conversation because there was nothing in the budget. And she said, well, that's funny because she just renegotiated her salary. And I, I said, well, do you know how much she renegotiated for? And when they told me the number, it was double what we had been making. And she used, of course, our, our wins and our contributions to make the case for her raise. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a raise. I would say negotiate all you, all you need to to, earn, to make what you rightfully earned and deserve. Um, but at that point, I saw that there was growth for some people and not for others. Um, and so that was my cue to go. And so, you know, I got into a point where, you know, not only is my earning potential capped, but now there's no room for growth. There's no room for, you know, a, a promotion because the girl in the position was not going anywhere. Um, and I just became really, really um, drained, exhausted. And, you know, before it was, you know, me talking about leaving, but then my body physically rejected the idea of being there. I would walk into work and just cry in the bathroom for no reason, just because I just didn't want to be there. Um, I just hated seeing emails come through. I just really became so, so fatigued with just having to wake up and walk into this place every day that just drained my spirit. Like it just did not sit right with me. And I think that's, you know, something that to keep in mind if, you know, anyone's looking to pivot in their career or they're looking for an out. I think that we get so used to this idea of we need stability and we do, but I think we think, you know, we kind of get caught in this idea of we don't have control over our own future. Um, But the reality is we have a lot more control than we think we do. It just takes a little more audacity to make it happen. And so once I realized that my body was physically rejecting being there, as much as I love the mission, I love the work that I did, um, but I hated the fact that I could not grow, um, I just felt stunned. And so, you know, I talked to my best friend Tiana about it. And one day I was in Trader Joe's crying about being at work, having to go to work the next day. And she sends me an article about a girl who left to go backpacking after a breakup. She left her friend, she left everything she knew, and went backpacking across Europe. And that's something that she and I had been talking about since we were kids. We didn't know anyone who backpacked, but we were always just like, wouldn't it be so cool to backpack across, you know, Europe or something? Like, and it was just always a, oh, one day, wouldn't that be cool? But it was never something that we really took seriously. 
So when she sent me the article, I'm like, oh, yeah, haha, so cool. Like, she left, left her boyfriend a new life. Um, and I was like, I think I may have said something along the lines of, oh, I wish. And Tiana was like, let's do it. And I was like, T, girl, I cannot just quit my job. I had a whole boyfriend at the time. I was like, that's a real cute idea, but I no, not yet. And she was like, you hate your job. Like, you want to leave, let's go. And um, I thought about it. I went home that night. I talked to my mom about it. And my mom, she is the queen of live your best life, no matter what they say. Um, And so she said, Jana, I don't want you to wake up one day with a family and a husband and kids and career and realize that you didn't do everything you wanted to do. Um, My mom, when she was young, she traveled cross country. She had done so many things. She's lived a million lives. And I'll have her on this podcast to talk about the million lives that she's lived. Um, But she surprisingly was like, go, do it. When else would you do it? And, you know, I was expecting her to be like, well, you have a boyfriend. You should stay and da 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 And I didn't even, you know, I decided not to ask my boyfriend at the time because I knew or bring it up to him because I knew that he wouldn't understand and he'd probably try to talk me out of it. And so the next day I went to work. I cried in the bathroom. I went to a meeting and sitting in the meeting, I booked a one-way ticket to Amsterdam. I said, I'm going to do it. And now the ticket's booked. And they're not, they say no refund. So this is happening. Or I'm just going to be out. My money. Um, And so I did it. And immediately felt a sense of relief. I felt like, oh my gosh. The next chapter of my life is going to begin on September 11th. I knew that I had not out. And so over the next two weeks or the next week or so, I felt myself slowly detaching from my work. I felt myself slowly um, not putting forth the effort just because I knew that I was on my way out. And like, I was just, I wish I didn't have to give it two weeks. I just wish I could just quit and just be gone. Um, And so Melissa had just put in her two weeks. Mm, Excuse me. She had just put in her two weeks, and um, I did not want to put mine in as well because our other girl on our team was going on maternity leave, and so I was like, this is going to be super inconvenient for me, for Melissa to leave, homegirl, she's gone, and now here I am saying I'm leaving too, to leave one person to do everything by herself, which, I mean, she claimed our victories as her own, so maybe she could have done everything by herself. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. She calls me into her office and she's like, hey, so is everything okay? I've, you know, I've noticed that your, um, your work isn't, you know, the same. The energy that I'm getting from you is not the same. Like, I know what you can do. I know what, you know, what kind of energy you can bring to, to the workplace. And I'm just not seeing it. Is everything okay? Um, and I got teary eyed and I said, I'm leaving. And she said, when? And I gave her the date. I said, I think I said July 30, July 31st. 
is my last day. And she looked at the calendar and she said, wow. So you like couldn't even give a month notice. I said, I gotta go. I'm sorry, I have to leave. And um, she said, well, where are you going? And I said, I don't know. And she was like, you don't have a job lined up? I said, nope, but I just know it's time for me to leave. And, you know, it had gotten to a point where a check was not enough for me to sit in discomfort all day, every day. It, it just, it just wasn't. A check was not enough. Like the, the feeling of hating what I did every day, it drove me insane and I just got to a point where there's no amount of money that I'm willing to take in exchange for my peace, exchange for my happiness, exchange for waking up every day and feeling like I am on the right path. There's no dollar amount that can allow me to sit in this discomfort anymore. Um, And so I had to leave. I had to get out of there and I had to figure out what was next And as embarrassing as it may have been for some to say, I'm leaving and no, I don't have a job. um, That was my, that was my truth. I'm getting out of here. And, and so I left and um, I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I knew I had this trip coming up in a couple months. So um, I was going to just kind of see what happened. And um, yeah, so left and did some traveling I went to um, L.A. to visit Tiana before our trip. It's her birthday. Um, And that's really when the fun employed life began. That is when the term fun employed took on a meaning of its own. Um, I Initially, I was fun employed because I was literally unemployed, had no job, Um, but wanted to kind of just enjoy my time. I wasn't beating myself up about not having a job. I just wanted to have fun with it. Um, And so I still had, you know, I still had two paychecks coming in um, from, from my job, the one from the pay period. And then there was one last one that I knew I had coming that also had all my PTO and everything on it. So it was a little bit bigger. So I had a little peace of mind knowing that I still had some money coming in and Um, that's when the fun employed thing came about. I went to LA, my boyfriend and I, we went to Mexico on a little vacation. Um, he was not happy that I left, but I, like I said, there was something that I had to do for myself and I was not about to let anybody talk me out of, you know, what was for, what was for me. Um, and so, you know, I was like, this will be our little, you know, last two raw before I leave. And we... Boarded the plane on September 11th at BWI with one-way tickets to Amsterdam and no clue when we'd be back. Um, On the way there, of course, like I get freaked out because I'm a control freak and I kind of couldn't grasp the fact that like I did not have a job when I returned. And so I had an interview lined up. I actually interviewed on the way to the airport with a law firm in D.C. um, And I was just like, why am I wasting my time with this? 
what? Like, I don't want to do this. I have a taste of freedom. I can carve out my own path. I, why am I, why am I doing this? And so I sent them once I landed in Amsterdam, I sent them a, um, you know, a thank you letter, but I'm not going to be accepting position. I'm actually traveling and, um, I don't know when I'll return. And so just out of respect for your time and other candidates, uh, if you were considering me, please take me out of the uh, consideration pool. Um, and so Tiana and I, we spent the next 30 days traveling Europe. Uh, we left because my backpack got stolen. But uh, that whole backpacking experience was incredible. And it was one that probably changed my life forever. The people that we met, we couch surfed. We didn't do hotels or we did a hostel one night. We did a hotel one night. But every other time we couch surfed and stayed with random people. So that was an adventure. Um, but I really kind of got the energy and the fuel and the inspiration to really just carve out my own path. I love the freedom that came with waking up every day and not knowing how the day will go. I loved the idea that I could really create the experience that I want. I could live my life on my own terms. And I didn't want to let that go. I didn't want to move back. I didn't want to come back to the States and leave, and leave Richmond because at that point I had moved away from New York. Um, I didn't want to come back to the States and fall into the same routine, fall into the same hurdles of having a boss that I didn't feel like was invested in, in their team. Um, I wanted to really just see what could happen if I just stayed this course. And so we moved, we, we came back, my backpack got stolen on a, on a bus ride. Um, and we, we came home and I, you know, used my whole entire paycheck or almost the whole paycheck, um, to travel. And so I got home and I realized that I really didn't have any money. Um, and so I decided, you know, I, I tried it once with, you know, asking my mom if I could be her director of social media. And so I was going to try it again. And so I just networked. I went around Richmond and talked to, you know, family, friends and talked to people that I had loose connections with. I, Went up at the altar and got prayer that someone would support my new business, uh, which also coincidentally brought me business. Um, but that was when I really decided that the fun employed in the context of being unemployed and having fun while being unemployed, it was going to be, I am creating a life that I love. I am in the driver's seat of my life and my career. I have a fresh slate. Um, and so why not just try to do things that bring me joy and happiness and fulfillment? Um, why not spend my day doing things that I love and spend my evenings working or spend my evenings or spend my, my days working and evenings doing things that I love? I just really wanted to take control. And so that's where this fun employed life um has led me and that's that's why it is fun employed and that's what fun employed means um and so yeah so that is my journey uh and here we are like i said almost four years later february 7th will be four years um that i've been doing this fun employed life full time um and it has taken on a million new meanings it has not always been fun this fun employed life has not always been fun, but it has been fulfilling. It has been full of lessons. It has been full of memories, connections, new friendships. I think about where I was when I, you know, 
2016, when I, when I got started after I came back from Europe, um, I had anxiety about moving back to Richmond because I didn't know what type of friends I was going to make or if I was going to even have any healthy friendships. I knew that I was leaving some great friendships back in New York and I just didn't know what kind of life I was going to live here. So to look at 2016 and to look at the anxiety I had, I spent a lot of time going back and forth to D.C. with my then boyfriend um, because I just didn't want to accept the fact that I lived in Richmond. It felt like such a downgrade which is so silly to say when I think about how my life has just been so fulfilling and so much more fulfilling than um, it's ever been before. Richmond has really um, blown my socks off, if you will. Um, And so I think about then, I think about now, and I just, this life has just taught me so much. And the friendships that I've made, the connections that I've made, the career moves I've been able to make, the opportunities I've been able to have, All of that has brought me to this moment and has brought me to this podcast. And so um, people ask me all the time, do you regret leaving New York? It's New York City. And I say, no, I don't regret leaving New York one minute. Do I miss it? Sometimes. But I don't regret a single thing. Leaving New York and moving to Richmond was not a downgrade. It was the biggest level up I could have ever, ever had in my career. Um, And so, you know, I'm proud to say that in this time that I've been fun employed, uh, my old employer, Girl Scouts, has hired Leap Innovative Group um, to do contractual work. We had an eight-month contract together, um, which was incredible. And it was a, a crazy full circle moment to leave there being underpaid and not getting what I'm worth to then coming back and as a CEO of my own company, getting paid double what I was making, um, when I was there, uh, as an entrepreneur, it's incredible. And, you know, I just, I can't, I could have never seen this coming, but, Again, that's what happens when you decide to be audacious. Y'all are going to hear that word a lot, audacious. Um, Daring to take the risk, knowing that you have the right to live a life that you are proud of. You have the right to decide how you want to spend your or how you want to make your money. I do not buy into this idea that we must be a slave to a company that doesn't value us. I don't buy into this idea that we have to work a job that we hate and do it every day and go in every day until we retire. I don't buy that. That is complete BS. I think that whether you work a nine to five, whether you have a a part-time job and a side hustle, whether you work a nine to five and have a side hustle, or whether you are a full-time entrepreneur, you have the right to enjoy what you do every day. Not that every day will be a good day, but you have the right to decide how you will spend your years, how you will make your money. And so that's what this journey is all about. It's about me finding out who I am, what I want, what type of life I want, what type of career I want, what type of clients I serve, what type of partnerships I enter into, what type of organizations I am involved in, what type of projects to take on, what type of things to let go of, that is the audacity that I that I have and I want to share and I want to empower you all to have. And so um, 
yeah, that's my journey. I feel like I just just <laughs> did one long brain dump of how I got here. And there's so many things that I'm I'm missing out, you know, missing, but throughout the duration of this whole thing, it's all going to come, it's all going to come out and we're going to talk about it all. We're going to dig deep and, and uncover all of that stuff. But, um, that's the overview of how I got here. A lot of you all, um, hopefully you're new listeners and you haven't, um, been following me on Instagram, shameless plug at Jana M hall. Uh, so hopefully, you know, you all are new here and you haven't, um, you know, heard my story before, but if you haven't, I hope that you enjoyed, you're inspired. If you have, I hope that you've learned at least a few new things about me and my journey. Um, and I hope that you all, um, you know, feel inspired to think about what it is you want to do with your life and your career and what it is that will make you feel like you are alive. Um, because that's what this is all about. It's about living a life that makes you feel alive. Um, and, that's what, that's what this is all about. That's what this, that's what this fun employed life is. And so I'm excited to take y'all on this journey with me. Um, and so before I live, before I leave you all today and wrap up this first podcast, I am going to start something that I think I want to kind of do, um, every episode, win of the week and woe of the week. So I'm all about celebrating wins, but I'm also about being transparent about the woes. Uh, A woe being, you know, maybe something caught you off guard, maybe a failure that you had, maybe a um, a slip up, a roadblock, anything that that has you like, whoa, hold up, what's going on? How did I do that? Why is this happening? Um, because I want us to be really transparent about what goes on in our life. This journey isn't all good. Um, our lives aren't all good. We have a lot of things that go on. So I want us to be transparent about all of these things. I want us to celebrate our wins and brag on ourselves, but also be real about the parts of our lives that aren't going so smoothly. So win of the week, woe of the week. My win of the week, um, huh? Let's see. What's a win I've had this week? Um, I am involved in this project called Black RVA. Shout out Black RVA. Follow us on Instagram at visit Black RVA, B-L-K-R-V-A. And we had a presentation to corporate, um, potential corporate sponsors. So we had a room full of representatives from corporations around Richmond. Um, we wanted them to really invest in this initiative that we have to increase tourism to to black uh, businesses and black experiences here in Richmond. Um, and so our job was to present to these to these corporate um, sponsors to kind of just share what the mission is and share why Black RVA was created and the importance of it and and how impactful it has already been since our August launch. Um, and. My job as the person who manages the social media was to present how well we've been doing so far. Um, and so I was a little nervous because, you know, I hadn't really spoken publicly about this campaign, this initiative. Um, and so now for me to not only speak about it and kind of talk about how important it is, but then also show results 
this is how well we're doing on social media. This is how well, um, you know, our, our launch video was received. This is how many people are, you know, buying into this whole thing and visiting the website and all of this, all of these things. Um, and so went on Tuesday with the team and kind of killed the presentation, kind of killed it. I'm not going to lie. I feel really great about how, how well we did, um, killed it, killed it, killed it. Um, so that was my one of the week, uh, that we had a successful presentation and that my part, I feel really good and really strong about it. And the vice and the, the VP of Richmond region tourism told me that I, I'm an excellent presenter, which is a compliment, um, because I have not always been confident presenting. Um, so that was my win of the week, my woe of the week. Um, I had, let's see, there's a lot of woes. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think one of my woes of the week was that, um, you know, happened last week. Um, but there was something that was supposed to go up for a client and long story short, my team and I dropped the ball. Um, but as you know, this is my business, so I don't blame anything on my team when, you know, if a client messages me, which a client emailed me on Monday and said, Hey, what happened? Um, you know, some people can say, Oh, it wasn't my fault. You know, my team member, da, 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 da. but I said, no, take full responsibility, you know, had some complications over here and, um, you know, we didn't get it up, but you know, I promise we're going to make it up to you. We're going to make, you know, we're going to, I, I came to, I came to the conversation with solutions. I, I acknowledged that I had failed, but I also didn't want to make excuses um, I had read a book, uh, what got you here won't get you there uh, a few years ago. And it said, you know, talked about the power of an apology without excuses. And most people don't expect you to say, I'm sorry. Most people expect you to, um, make an excuse of why it's not your fault or why it was unavoidable and why, or, you know, whatever. Um, so when you actually take on all of the responsibility, um, and you just own it, uh, that's actually a lot more impactful than saying, you know, oh, no, it wasn't my fault. This and this and this happened, you know? Like, so I, I explained exactly what happened without making excuses, and then I said, I acknowledge that we dropped the ball, and I'm, I'm very sorry, and we are make, here's my solution that I, you know, thought, of, thought about before even responding to the email, came with a solution, and... Um, all went well. Um, but I was really, really down on myself for a couple of days for dropping the ball and for not being a little more thorough with my follow through with things. Um, and, uh, you know, mistakes happen. People drop the ball all the time. It's life. We're human. Um, but it's about how you pick it up and and keep, keep going. And so that was my woe of the week. Um, but I'm also like a win because all with all's well, that ends well. And I worked a little bit harder today to make sure that, um, my commitment to making things right uh, was felt. And so I think that's what's most important. And so, um, so yeah, that's my one of the week, my one of the week. Um, I would love if you all could share with me, leave a comment on Instagram, Jana M. Hall. I want to know your wins of the week's woes of the week. I'll, I'll ask that in my Instagram story too. Um, but yeah, so thank you all so much for tuning into the first episode of the forever fun employed podcast. Like I said, I'm Jana Hall, and I can't wait 
continue this journey with you all. Thank you so much.